Good morning and welcome to Sport and Life with Sam Kekovich and Leon Wigard. Sam, you've been all over the place. Well, Leon, I've had a uh, lovely trip throughout this wonderful, complex, vast nation of ours, Australia. With a good mutual friend of ours, Peter Moody, we trekked up to Charlieville. The great horse trainer? The great horse trainer. That's his uh, place of origin. Uh, we drove to his uh, his father's grave. We, uh, he, I said to his, uh, he said to me, he said, I'm going to have a beer with Dad. I said, what does Dad do? He said, pushes up daisies. <laughs> I had no idea what he meant by that, but anyhow, we stopped at the local pub but. Uh, and got six bottles You're of... You're in Charleville now? Uh, in Charleville, six bottles of, uh, of Forex and went off-road for about five kilometres to his old homestead, which is all just ramshackled, and, but huge property. Uh, and it's in the desert. And we pull up this tree, honestly. It's like in, uh, in uh, Shawshank Redemption. Remember when he went and pulled a tin up near the big oak tree? Uh, and it wasn't dong, 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 no, no. dong, no, no, no. And he opened the beer up, I said, where's your father? And here he is, he just sprayed the bottle, sprayed it all <laughs> over his grave, that's where he, he left the ashes. Very but unusual what an amazing to spill so much. But it was an amazing, uh, it, it, it evoked some fond memories of Australia and also my schooling days, history and geography. I learned more again, more about Australia in that three or four days. But one thing that remained, the one constant, the one common denominator that's been prevalent, the one like the one common thread, was the beautiful country people. Mm. Leon, they are just so hospitable, resilient. Nothing phased them. You wouldn't believe you're in Australia. You know, seventeen-hour straight drive. Yeah, just up for breakfast. Oh, we did at Cobar, baked and eggs. We had the big breakfast. Leon comes with no surprise. Oh, Four eggs, eight sausages, and, yeah, <laughs> and whatever and, and whatever was in the Bay Marie on the way out. This would uh, be a knighthood for you because it was a charity thing you went for. It was, oh, thanks, Leon. Yes, it was a charity for the ho- local hospital. Uh, we raised thirty thousand dollars. They were ecstatic and elated. This little township of two and a half thousand at Charleville, and then we had the races on the Saturday, the new market, of all of 12,500 to the, uh, the the purse. Peter presented the uh, the trophy. I had my own Sam Kekovich uh, maiden, presented the cup there. Needless to say, that volatile investment portfolio that we more commonly allude to as a punt was Scheisenhausen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing's changed, Leon, but it was an immensely enjoyable trip. But let me tell you, very difficult. You know, uh, we shared the driving. It was, uh, you know, stayed on the limit. I don't think uh, there was any fines incurred. And, and of course, you would have bought the five leftover four X's back, wouldn't you? You're breaking up, Leon. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a very special guest today. The program's called uh, Sport and Life. Uh, normally, of course, we, oh, I suppose more, more often than not, we have sports people. Uh, but this time, we've got somebody out of life whose life's been a bit... Uh, Turned upside down in the last year or two. Indeed, so uh, Leon. Uh, in fact, uh, it came to prominence. It came to prominence when I looked at the headline called Sluggate. I was aware of Watergate in America, but Sluggate, which was a high-level plot to crush a family business, and as I kept reading, it uh, became a. I couldn't believe it. I thought it was something out of a sitcom. A planted slug, apparently, uh, was uh, was the tool used to cover up a. Uh, Allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly cover up what uh, what has now become one of the biggest uh, the biggest talking points in town. And we have the the, the, the company's called iCook, and that's named off, obviously after the founder, Ian Cook, who that's joins right. us in the studio. Ian, welcome along, and uh, you've been through a horrible time. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. <laughs> it hasn't been a pleasant time. Uh, well, now you were contracted to uh, Danny Long Council. Uh, no, 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 they were our regulator. 
and our, and our competitor. So um, we had contracts with a number of other councils to do their delivered meals programs, which is what we produce, amongst other things. And Dandenong Council were actually shareholders in Community Chef. So we were Community Chef's largest competitor. Uh, Dandenong Council owned shares in Community Chef. Dandenong Council's CEO was a board member of Community Chef. So where it all started, just so we can get this in subsequential order, Ian, yeah. it all emanated from a, a wrongful allegation that there was a listeria outbreak in a nursing home or a age facility which ultimately led to a death. Yeah. Is that right? That's pretty much right. They, so an elderly lady uh, presented to Knox Private Hospital. Um, she was originally in the hospital on the 13th of January. She came in with the symptoms of diarrhoea, which, by the way, is a symptom of listeriosis. Um, we did not provide any food to her aged care. We did, we've never provided anything for her. Um, she was tested on the 23rd for listeria and they found that she had listeria in her blood. Um, that's a reportable disease, so it got reported to the Department of Health and Human Services and that's what, and it led from there. There was no outbreak, there was no, nothing. Um, the, the woman never ate anything from us. We have a letter from HealthScope Operations that says, there is absolutely no evidence that the woman ate anything from us. And this will come out shortly, will explode, and I've no doubt people will be charged. So the sequence of events that transpired directly after that? So what then happened was um, the department sent uh, Danny Nong's health, one of their health inspectors, they call them EHOs these days, she was sent in to do sampling at our site, which they did. Um, they also got Manningham Council to sample the aged care facility that the woman had come from. And apparently they bought some products at a couple of the local Woolies because this woman was looking after herself. She wasn't in an aged care facility. She was an independent living person, as far we understand. So these things all happen. What the department didn't do was they didn't test the hospital. Now, the hospital makes its own sandwiches and it makes a lot of its own products apart from the stuff they buy from us. And so suddenly, when we get to the 21st, up to the closure, um, they suddenly realise they haven't done it. So then they quickly go to Knox and tell them to go in and have a look. So the intriguing thing which has brought you know, the, the attention of the world, I guess, for want of a better term, was they found a slug in your premise, on your yeah. premise. So um, Elizabeth Garlic comes in on the 18th of uh, February. Elizabeth Garlic being? She's the new EHO for our area. We've right. never, never seen her before. She arrives on the 18th. She comes in on the 18th. She's not wearing a body camera. Every other time she comes in, she is wearing one. But she comes in and she basically makes a beeline for the far back corner of our premises. Now, our food safety supervisor, Michael, was taking her through. He was with her. Michael walked up and looked straight into the corner, and we've got that on camera, looked straight into the corner uh, of the building, and she steps in front of him, um, and she goes down and she squats for 17 seconds. So let's put that in perspective. One elephant, two elephant, three elephant, four. 17 seconds is a long time to look at the equivalent of two or three fools cap paper. Think, imagine a fools cap sized piece of paper. 
Imagine an area, maybe three of those. That's the, that's the little corner we're talking about. It's beside a whole bunch of plastic tubs that are used for, for moving food around. And she's looking at this little area and she's there for 17 seconds. Then she stands up and says, there's a slug. Now, she's, she's an authorised officer. She's an investigating official under the Crimes Act. She didn't even pick it up as evidence. I got charged for it, but she didn't even keep it. She got them to get rid of it. Okay, now I'll just fast track this a little bit. In your mind, what, what, what would be the motive for something like that occurring in your premise? What's the motive behind it all? Okay. Is there some outside forces or is there competitors or...? So there's a number of motives. So the motives for the EHOs themselves is if they, if they want to go the next pay scale, they have to show that they can have a successful prosecution. Once you drop a pest in someone's premise, right. what you've got is two very serious charges under the Food Act. One, allowing a live animal or pest to be in a premise or be having a, right. a, a pest on your premises. Uh, both those attract $40,000 fine for me and $200,000 fine for the company. So between those two charges, me and the company, you're up, you know, you've got 400000 plus. Who benefits from I cook closure? Is so there a, da- something sinister at work here? Absolutely. Um, Danny Nong Council CEO, on keep this in, in, in terms of the time frame. Sequence, yeah. Yeah, so at midday on the 21st, we get closed verbally by Leanne Johnson, Coordinator of Public Health at Danny Nong. According to her own words on video, we have her saying, in the name of Brett Sutton, the Chief Health Officer. Now, he's never been in the premises, he's never had anyone in the premises except her. Now, they, so they, they come in and they do this. The very next day, the 4am, they put the paperwork on our window. When they, once they've done that, come nine o'clock, John Benny, the CEO of the city of Dandenong, walks into a board meeting of Community Chef. So I've said, we're, we're their largest competitor. We're the one that causes them grief. He goes into that board meeting and before anybody else in Victoria knows, he tells them what's going on. He tells them we're closed. He tells them there's going to be a coronial inquiry and he tells them that, that we'll, be, we'll be closed for probably a couple of weeks. They get straight on to the MAV and the local government association and they say any of those government contracts that I Cook Foods operates, we're here to help. We'll take over. And they did. They picked up a couple of our contracts. Could I go back to the the lady finding the slug? Yep. Did she remove it straight away? So no, she, no, no, no. She all she did. So she she points at it. it. Yeah. Yep. Then she walks away. She comes back a few minutes later, and she rips a piece of paper towel off one of the hand stations, and she flicks the I think they call proboscis, you know, the the two things that come up from a slug, and she flicks it because uh, she's proving to Michael, the food safety supervisor, that it's alive. Now, the reason for doing that is that you get another charge mm. if it's alive as opposed to a dead pest. Now, she does nothing. She just proves that. And then once she's done it all, she happily walks off. No. Didn't, no. didn't take it as evidence. No, didn't that. take it as evidence. Didn't take it for anyone to decide what sort it was, whether it should be there, all of that. What, what, what sort of court action has preceded this conversation? Have you, have you been to court yet? Okay, so in terms of the criminal charges, so I was, I was on 48 charges, my company was on 48 charges, so there was 96 all up. Um, so we, this, we were served the papers 
uh, and there's a little bit of a story around this, because they actually put the papers into the private prosecutor that they use, so the brief of evidence went to them, I believe on around the 12th of April, and I was supposed to be charged after that. But then a woman named Rogerson, who was one of our previous EHOs, she came out and said it was a stitch-up. She came out and told everyone, and she told me, that they were trying to get her to change her statement to ensure a prosecution. They wanted her to add in things that would make it much harder for me in court. To and, defend, yeah. And she wouldn't do it. So she, went out, she actually got quite stressed out about it and the bullying associated with getting her to change her statement. Um, and she literally said, no, I'm not going to do it, and went off on, on stress leave. It's been handed over to the Chief of Police now, though. Uh, okay. what, what relevance is that? Okay, so we... I'll just... Quit. She comes out. They then get a new brief that comes hits me in the June. Um, they ring me and say, what are you going to plead guilty to? I said, nothing. And they said, okay, well, we have to go to a contest mention. That's in the October, October the 3rd. And then October the 3rd rolls around. We walk into court. And instead of putting these people on the stand as witnesses, which is what we wanted because we were going to carve them up, uh, nope, they pull the pin, they withdraw all the charges so there's no examination of what they've done. They expected me just to roll over. Then in the November, I walked into Danny Nong CIU and said, here is a list of allegations that I make knowing that these people have committed crimes and uh, they took it seriously. They worked very hard on it. Um, but then the guy that was working hard on it, he was sent on forced leave. And you think, whoa. And then all of a sudden, my brief and all the evidence that I'd given them uh, went off to Marabin's CIU, to an inspector there, apparently for a review. Now, the two detectives that have been working with me said, there is no such thing as reviewing. Either there's been a crime committed or there hasn't and you go and pick up the people that have had the allegation and you give them an opportunity to give their side of the story. Ah. So then it goes, then I had to write, I wrote to Danny Nong, to the inspector in charge, got no response, got no response from the assistant commissioner. I then wrote to Patton. Patton comes back and he puts, and he gets KCCIU get put on the, on the case. The detective at KCCIU tells me after some investigation he's ready to go and pick people up and to start doing serious questioning. He has to get approval, which the other guys tell me that does happen. So he goes, um, he puts it up for approval. We hear nothing for weeks. And then finally I say, what's going on? He said, look, I'm as frustrated as you are, Ian. Anyway, next minute, his boss comes in and says, nothing to see here. It just, no, no, there's no, no we, we can't prove any offences here, so, yep, sorry, see you later. The day we picked our brief back up off them, we had given them a hard drive with all the video evidence we had. When, when my nephew, who's very good with computers, loaded the hard drive on, he went straight into the metadata, and that particular hard drive has what they call an invisible or a hidden recycle bin. Someone had uploaded the first detective's uh, notes that he had sent to Crime Commission where he'd put all the people of interest, he'd talked about all the crimes and said that this had to be investigated further. They never expected us to have those briefing notes. They came, when they gave us the drive back, that had been on, someone thought they'd deleted it and got rid of it. No, they hadn't. It was all there. So we've got it. You're on Sport and Life with uh, Sam Kekovich and Leon Wigard, Sam, and we, uh, we have as our guest Ian Cook from iCook. 
um, and the very intriguing um, story of the slug on the floor. It's a very suspenseful, uh, suspenseful one, uh, Leon and Ian. From a layman's perspective, uh, and I listen intently and I followed this intently, you know, it's almost a pathway to the very corridors of power in this state. Oh, this absolutely. goes to the very, very top. Absolutely. From a conspiratorial point of view, or if you've got a conspiracy mind, you know, this would go straight to the top of Spring Street. Yeah, it does. It gets, and actually when you do the research, it gets worse. What you've got, uh, as I discussed earlier with you, the you have an Act of Parliament that was that was um, changed, amended by the current Premier when he was the Health Minister. So in 2010, uh, 2019, Andrews 2010, was the Health Minister. Andrews was the Health Minister. He sets up Community Chef, so that's his baby. Yeah. He, um, he also changes the Food Act, and he writes into the Food Act that any fines that any council gets go straight to their coffers. So he's literally written uh, corruption into an Act of Parliament. How the hell that was allowed to stand is beyond me. So it, I can go into a, any any restaurant or foodery anywhere in Dandenong or any in, in those suburbs and find them and all that money comes straight comes back to my straight back to you, yep. And even the police don't get that. I mean, we all joke about, you know, revenue raising with speed cameras. Well, it does, but it goes into consolidated revenue. This is going directly back to a council, which gives a council an absolute reason if they're having trouble balancing their books... Beautiful. Go and write a few infringement notices. I think, and the Act also talks about in the opinion of. So a health yeah. inspector's opinion. So if you've got a health inspector doesn't like you, it doesn't matter how good you are, they can write you an infringement notice. In theory, of course, uh, you might have a health inspector, and this is a theory only, that might be, if you like, subservient to the government uh, for their role and therefore do whatever the government likes. I mean, that's... That system currently in place leaves that open, doesn't it? Absolutely. In fact, if you read off Danny Nong Council's own website, um, for, an, for a health officer to go up a pay scale, they have to prove that they can have a successful prosecution. I think one of the things that's frustrated our police force for a long time has been that lack of separation from government. Yeah. You know, the, political, the political influence the government has had on the police force in terms of being able to police. I think that's been a cause of great frustration. So the two the two police officers that have been helping us are Detective Inspector um, Rod Porter and also Detective Sergeant Paul Brady, both highly respected when they were in the force. In fact, I've had people say that we are amazingly fortunate to have these guys working with us. Both of them say that the police force, unfortunately, has continued to be politicised. However, Rod Porter... Um, has a high level of respect and time for Shane Patton and says that once he knows exactly what's going on, he's as straight as a knife. He will fix it. Yeah, yeah, he will fix it. How about the cost of all this to you? (laughs) Well, obviously for the business it's been huge because they... um, You know, I've had to explain this to people before. In, In the sort of business that we were in, what you need to do is reinvest all the time. So when you make money, you reinvest in state-of-the-art equipment, where you're going, um, what you're doing. Stuff. Yep, all of that. And we did all of that. Um, and just give us an overview of how big is I cook? I cook catering. How big is it? Okay, so at, 
um, at the time when we were closed, we were the largest private provider of delivered meals. Um, plus, we also did components, so pasteurised components yes. that were going into hospitals. Uh, in fact, the sandwiches, which is what ended up being our nemesis, if you like, was the smallest part of what we did. And we, we, we did them literally as part of um, a contract requirement. And so, uh, yeah, we, we, were, we were turning, uh, turning out over 50,000 meal components a week. And, and dollar we value, what was the company valued at? Okay, so the company was valued because of its IP by an investment group at $25 million. And that was literally on the week we were closed that that valuation had come through and they wanted to buy in 10%. And you had overseas... Uh... <laughs> and then on top of that, we had over... Uh, with the UAE, we had signed agreements to pay us um, $10 million for worldwide rights for uh, our IP, plus $16.8 million for specific countries in, in that part of the world. Uh, we, had, we had signed agreements with um, South America, with a group down there, who that was about $11 million that was signed up. Literally, our business was about to seriously take off and then our competitors need capital. See, that's where it's terribly interesting, and this is where you've got to get things in their perspective. When we talk about a catering company, we look at a corner milk bar, you know, delivering sandwiches. Now, that's catering, in inverted commas. But this is a, this is global operation. You can see why people have got a lot of interest in this. Hmm. And now, back to Leon's original question as to the personal cost to yourself. Uh, yeah, well, look, it has been um, emotionally very difficult. In the early days, it was very difficult. I probably would have had trouble sitting here talking like this about it. I mean, with the passage of some time, you you managed to put a lid on some of it. But, you know, we've they've taken... And the groundswell of support that you've got as well from the community has been fabulous. Absolutely. I, I, I cannot believe how many... The, the well wishes, um, I'm not on Twitter, but my son is, the number of people that literally are following it and saying, we're right there with you. And, you know, it's they need to be too. This isn't just about Ian Cook and his family or his employees. We've all done it tough and we've all been destroyed. You know, they've tried to destroy us. But every Victorian needs to be thinking about this. I mean, here we are sitting in this beautiful anyone. hotel. Health inspector, walk in tomorrow cause, just because he doesn't like the owner and bang, you're dead in the water. What do you, you can't have that. You can't live in a, no. in a democratic country like this and have that. It just can't happen. And why did we survive? Because we had the values of pay down debt, do the right thing by your suppliers, look after your employees. Not one person has taken any action, in, action against us. They are all right behind us and supported us. We've survived because we had the equity, because we, with, with that, that money was there for us to keep going. Well, we're not judge and jury here, but it is very hard to avoid thinking that this is some sort of conspiracy somewhere along the line. And in fact, it might be at giant level. You Oof. just, uh, I mean, if if what you say is followed through, and it looks as though it is being followed through. Yeah. Okay. So I've never been a conspiracy theorist, right? Spent my life building a business, raising a family, doing what I thought were the Facts. right things. Yep. We got a freedom of information of several thousand pages. My wife was helping Detective Brady. Brady had come to me and said, one of the things that kept us closed was we had to have this audit done by an independent auditor. So the independent auditor has to be registered by the by Department of Health and Human Services. So he comes in the Wednesday after we're closed to do his independent audit. Now. 
I've never agreed. I've always thought, like what you were just saying, that um, a conspiracy theory, in other words, well, of course, he's going to give a, a, bad, uh, a bad order to us, no matter what everybody else has done for the last 10 years, because they can't afford anything else. Now, uh, I spoke to the detective about that, and he said, like I said, Ian, we question everything. So he sits my wife down in front of all these, these two, two and a half thousand pages. She's a really quick reader. She's a speed reader. Um, he says, I want you to look for the word auditor, Gavin Bucket, Pauline Malone, anything to do with that, you find a sheet come. She's reading for about an hour and a half. All of a sudden she comes in and she drops a, a piece of paper in front of Paul and Paul goes, oh my God. And he comes straight into me in an office where I'm working. He says, have a read of this. So Pauline Maloney audits the auditors. They have to keep her happy because their registration and their ability to earn an income relies on her auditing. Gavin Bucket is the independent auditor who's audited us. Gavin Bucket on the 12th of March says to Pauline Maloney in an email, hi Pauline and Leanne, that's Leanne Johnson at Dandenong, um, attached are my draft critical non-conformances Please let me know what you want me to add or remove. <laughs> I've got this. Yeah, well. You know, whoever, whoever let that out of freedom of information. How incriminating is that? It is. This guy helped keep us close. So Pauline Maloney from the Department of Health and Human yeah. Services and Gavin Bucket cons with Leanne Johnson conspired to keep us closed. Yeah. And you also demanded a letter from the Knox City Council that could quite conceivably exonerate you. Having difficulty getting that out of them too. Are yeah. You, well, least? we know from HealthScope that this woman didn't need anything, right? That she didn't need anything that we provided. Um, we believe, or we know, that um, Knox City Council wrote to the department and told them that this was the case the day we were closed. Because what happens then is they then come and change the closure order because this thing says you. So if you've closed someone for listeria and for eating a sandwich and then you find out, oh dear, they didn't, well, you've got to change the closure order, otherwise you can look pretty silly. Yeah, exactly. So they did. So we ended up with another closure order on top. So where are we as we stand? Look, I find this very, very intriguing. There is a resolution, obviously. There's got to be a finishing line somewhere. How far are we from the finishing line? Because you're talking about some of the biggest names in Victorian politics that yeah. are allegedly involved. Yep, uh, I, I have no doubt that they are involved and I have no doubt that, um, and I, as I said, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but all of the evidence is pointing that way. Um, there, are, there are enough criminal offences for people to be charged that will be charged. I, I have faith that, um, that our system will carry through now that it's been, uh, the, the flaws have been exposed. In terms of our own private action, the... Um, uh, because of COVID, the Victorian courts are way behind. So our, our court date is not until the 7th of February next year. So we've got eight, nine months to go. Eight, nine months to go. And in the event of it all being resolved to your liking, will I cook, will you still proceed? Do you still have faith? Do you still have your passion? They uh, haven't pummeled you into total submission, have they? Uh, they, <laughs> they almost did. I, um, I, as I said, they, we, part of the reason for going to the police is also part of, if you like, the healing process for any victim. I mean, um, it's, I, I never imagined I would be in this position. Um, 
and find myself as a victim of serious crime. Um, and yeah, so it, it did take its toll. However, what we were doing, the IP, that's very important. We can't trade under the name I Cook Foods anymore. That's gone um, because we've, we've already had a couple of aged cares that used to use us and we said, you know, we're in the clear, all the evidence is there. And they say, yeah, but you know what, if something went wrong and we used it and you're trading as that name, mm, that would, would be look like we took a risk, etc. So we just got to be pragmatic, um, and we have to move on. So we will uh, we will change uh, the name, and we will move on so that it, so that our our product, which is literally there to help vulnerable people and people who otherwise wouldn't have any dignity in the way they dine or the foods they get, we can we can help. That's what our IP was all about. There's a bigger picture than just yours here, isn't there? It's a It'll be interesting to see what does happen by February, but there is a a thing about the state government and local government and that cosy arrangement. Um, Where is the opposition in all of this? Um, What should be the arrangements between local government and the state government? Because um, I'm from the clubs movement originally, you know, and um, we had trouble with certain local governments and they were... You know, I'm not the greatest rap for all of them, but uh, you can't throw them all in the same bucket. But this could affect anyone that is uh, a contractor to any local government. Anything on yes. any on any product. Any service. product, you're right. Yeah. If if the if certain sections of the government and they are all government facilities, um, you know, gets gets it in their mind that they'd like to move in and create something that they can be opposition to a free enterprise outfit. Um, I mean, this is really big stuff, potentially. No, I think you're, I think you're right, Lee. And I think there's something that um, all of us uh, as the citizens have to think very clearly about is what that line is. You know, if it's something that um, is, a, you know, an emergency service or something that has to be run by the state, fair enough. But areas that don't, they shouldn't be dabbling in and we have to decide whether, whether, they, sh- whether they are allowed to do it. And the other p- point I'd make about that is the state government gets quite a lot of scrutiny from the media, as does the federal government. Local government is like the layer that's hidden. It's like the layer that sits mm. there where nobody, no, you know, you can rig a, a, um, a, a council election. The, the, um, city, the city of Dandenong had their elections last year. And if you talk to some of the candidates... Um, there were multiple candidates put in where preferences were going to one candidate. So even yes. if you only got 10 or 15 votes, or the family voted, you knew where those votes were going. Mm-hmm. And I think there is no scrutiny of this, which means um, places like Dandenong end up being run by the CEO, where he runs the council. And it's like, this is the classic case of the tail wagging the dog. Dog, yeah. You know, you, the whole point of democracy is to elect representatives mm. to, to take your views to a... And the other overriding factor too is the, the level of public service. They're reliant on each other. Their income is derived from the one pot, so yep. to speak. So they're always going to be in, you know, complicit to each other. I agree. And be, you know, they're going to be extremely helpful to each other for want of a better term because they don't want to buck the system because they want to ensure that their own four walls are fairly well safeguarded. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. Uh, this has got all the earmarks. Dan, our producer, said, you know, this is a movie and there's somewhere on the line or a sitcom <laughs> of some description. <laughs> Gee whiz, I don't know. But Ian, uh, 
How do you relax? Do you go to the theatre? You got a footy club? You barrack for? Yeah, I, um, North Melbourne. No. I hope not. No, so, <laughs> at the moment, um, I actually grew up in Sydney, so I grew up with rugby league. And um, who'd you follow there? Yeah, with, well, they're gone now. The North Sydney Bears. Ah, uh, the Bears. Yeah. So um, they, and then we got to uh, to to Melbourne, and um, my dad worked um, for a soap company, Preservine, as it was then, and uh, he became a one-eyed, mad Collingwood supporter, and. They're a dying breed now. <laughs> my dad's passed on now, yeah. But he did, he did, he really embraced Aussie rules. And I must admit, I've enjoyed it. I've never quite got to the level of understanding that I listen to people who really know the game. However, my son is, um, he, he um, tries to educate me because he then grew up here in Melbourne. So he grew up with Aussie rules and, yeah, and followed along with his grandfather and likes the black and white. So off they go. And, yeah. Leon, we've always said that the, there are two words that best depict the spirit and the essence of the Australian character. I think we've got him here today, being fair dinkum. And we do wish him well on this journey that he's uh, being forced to take. Uh, Ian Cook from iCook, uh, in his battle with, well, it seems to be multi-levels of government, local, and heading well, right up to wherever you want to go. And, uh, gee whiz, the world's looking at this, and... Uh, uh, on what we've heard today, uh, there are there are a lot of scalps. There are a lot of, and fair mm. enough. If, if they are proven guilty, send them to the gallows. I couldn't get, agree with you more. Get them out of the place. That's you know? right. And by the way, tidy the system up. Clear the swamp. That's if it's if it's proven, and uh, yeah. uh, it sounds compelling. Uh, this has been Sport and Life. Our guest has been Ian Cook, and we do wish him well. And as we always do, Leon, at this point in time, our wonderful sponsor, Mitchelton. We share a, uh, a firkin of our favourite grape, Ian, which I think you'd be partial to, the Mitchelton print, which is the top of the range. Beautiful. A firkin? Well, That's nine gallons. Well, we've been going for a long while. <laughs> He's thirsty. Jerry Rhymes just had a heart attack. <laughs> I'll be at Mitchelton, by the way, on Thursday night. I'm staying up there. Are you staying up there? I'm going to Yarrawonga tomorrow, which is my mum's hometown. Yes. And back through uh, Mitchelton on, uh, to meet some of the people uh, there on uh, on Thursday and Van Sang on Friday. So brief hiatus. Yes, Van Sang Friday. Yep. At... Uh, our mutual friend uh, and Bansag member, Frank Martinez. Yes, and Barry Rounds coming down from the Gold I Coast saw that. to do a television thing. And uh, there you go. This is all. This is all uh, easy stuff here. Not we. We live in a very fluffy world, uh, Sam <laughs> yeah. and I. And, but, it's uh, a little bubble. But though. we don't mind getting involved with the, your sort of stuff because it's. Uh, it's worthy of support, I think. And uh, for whatever it's worth. Well, yeah, whatever. It, uh, whatever it comes out, let's hope that justice. Justice prevails. is done, and justice prevails. Because we're a bit like you. You know, we've uh, got faith, and uh, we, well, not so much Leon. Leon's been like bubblegum. He's been a silver spoon in his mouth since birth. Yeah, but I've slipped down those slippery banister of life pulling yep. splinters out of my ass, <laughs> and I've managed to recover. So if that's any inspiration to you. Always an inspiration. Well, keep strong, my dear friend, and uh, I've got faith in the system, and I'm sure at the end of the day, it'll all come clean. We'll make it right, yeah. Next week, more Sport and Life.